0: I want to begin this morning by talking a little bit about this man. How many of you know who this guy is? How many of you don't know who this guy is? All right, all right, good. This is my father, and uh, for years he came to Rock Valley Bible Church. He lives in DeKalb, and uh, he um, now goes to church down in DeKalb, but was crucial to helping start Kishwaukee Bible Church in DeKalb, which then planted Rock Valley Bible Church uh, as well, um, and and I want you to think about your own father. I want you to think about maybe things that he has taught you or, or your mother that's that 's fine as well. Just think about your parents, particularly if they're Christian parents, and if you were raised in a in a Christian home. I, I want you to think about your parents now, for some of you kids, this would probably be pretty easy right? as you're like right in the midst of childhood now, but for some of you, it might be more difficult. might be even painful uh, for some of you. So it might be hard. But I want you to think about what your parents taught you. In particular, I want, I want you to think if they, if they taught you some like short, short phrase that just kind of rings in your ears. Like, like for instance, um, one of the things that my dad always taught me was that whenever you make a purchase he always used to say this, Steve, you're adding to your burdens. And particularly if you make a a large purchase, like think about if you buy a car, all of a sudden you need to license it. You need to insure it. You need to clean it. You need to repair it. You need to fill it with gas. You need to maintain it. It's just a burden. It's going to suck time away. Or, Or a house is a similar deal. You need to have insurance, clean it, make repairs, and the same is true of boats or campers or cabins or, or rental properties. Um, but everything you buy becomes a burden to you. One of the things that my dad would say, Steve, you're adding to your burden. And, and that's, that's true of even something, if, it, if it's small, like a, a china cabinet or a, a riding lawnmower or a sofa, and yes, even if you buy a pool table, it becomes a burden to you as well and you know when my father's long gone uh he's 83 right now um 84 83 I don't know somewhere around there um he's 84 um, but when he's long gone and I'm 80 myself and I purchase something of somewhat size I will hear him say steve you're adding to your burden this is a, a father's wisdom to me yeah anyone have anything like that about your parents you want to share it yes go ahead okay this is amy and your dad's not here so this is andy here's your recording for you go ahead amy where there's a will there's a way way. wonderful that's really good adrian i'm sorry Uh, heidi nothing good happens after midnight john good job you're quoting um george whitfield yeah? Who said that? Your dad said that. Oh, that's right. Your dad said nothing good happens after a minute. George Whitfield said nothing good happens after 10 o'clock at night. But of course, he, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Yes, Adriana. Exactly. Take it, easy. <clears throat> take it easy. Any others? Yes, Thatcher. Okay, this is good. Cool your jets. That's right. It just means calm down. Well, let me, let me tell you another one. My, a corollary to this one, you're adding to your burden. My, my dad also has encouraged us to travel light. When you go on a trip, take less than you need. Right? Don't worry about all those different things. You, you'll really be okay without that. You can wear clothes twice. I mean, it's, it's really okay. Another lesson he taught me is to, to live below your means. I mean, just because you have the financial resources to purchase an item doesn't mean you have to purchase that item. It's better to save. It's better to have your money in, ba- in the bank earning interest or invested in the market gaining a return than it is to be in debt. And the way you do that is to live below your means, pay off your debts, prioritize that, save for the future, and take the pressure off your lives. So I remember these learning these lessons from my father and... and I've sought to pass them on to my children, and so I prepared this part of my message. And last night, I had a conversation with my kids, and uh, actually the three youngest were around the table, and I, I asked them, so what, like what, what are some things maybe you remember me teaching you like, over the years? And the, and the three youngest ones kind of said, no, you need to talk to the two oldest. So I talked to the, the two oldest last night, and um, one of the first things that SR says is that we always taught your kids to, when you're doing your math to write neatly and to draw a picture, right? It, it didn't help you in math a lot, all right, but <laughs> but it sure did help Carissa, and it will help all of you kids as well, like if you will write neatly and draw pictures, it, it will really help. Um, particularly also, um, one of the things, I forget whether it's you or, or Carissa, SR, said that uh, just let it roll off your back, right? When there's conflict with your kids, kids, this would be great, when it's conflict with the kids, right? And there's just let it roll off. Let, let, your, let your sibling have the blue marker. It's really okay. You let them do it that way. It's really okay. Just let it roll off your back. Uh, and, and, and another thing that, that said, this was mom's, so this wasn't me, because I clean as you go. Clean as you go. That's not, if you knew me, you knew that's not me. That was surely mom. And SR said he's not quite got hold of that one yet. Um, SR also said, um, um, Talk early and often with those you're doing a project with. Talk early and often. And then Carissa said, oh, you, Dad, you also taught us to save early and to save often. And I think it's because she's starting to be a wage earner now, and she's learning the, the priority of saving and living below your means. And so I was really delighted that Carissa, right, save early, save often, kind of matches up with Grandpa, because that is what our text is this morning, is to listen to Grandpa is the title of my message, and living below your means is something that my, my father taught me, and I have succeeded in some small measure to pass that on to at least Carissa in this, uh, because our text this morning deals with a, a father who has learned a lesson from his father and is merely passing that on to his own children and so, in fact, he was telling them, right, not, not so much even listen to me, but listen to what your grandfather says. Proverbs 17, verse 6 says, grandchildren are the crown of the aged and the glory of children is their father's. And so, especially as children will pay attention to their grandfather, right, it'll be a crown to them. So, I encourage you, children, to, to really think about how you can be a crown to your your grandfather, your grandmother. Well, the text this morning is Proverbs chapter 4, first nine verses. If you're not there, page 529 of the Pew Bibles will get you there. I want to read them for us now. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Solomon writes this, Hear, o sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland and she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Now this section of Proverbs starts like so many sections of Proverbs does. Calling upon sons to listen to the counsel of a father. Right Hear, O sons, a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight. It's almost exactly what Solomon said back in chapter 1 and verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. And forsake not your mother's teaching. It's similar to chapter 2, verse 1, which says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, right? If you do this, listen to me. Or chapter 3, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 11, chapter 3, verse 21. They're all similar. In chapter 4, verse 10. In chapter 4, verse 20. In chapter 5, verse 1, this constant call to, to my son, listen to me. And, and, you know, you would go astray if you try to figure out, okay, what's the difference between all of these and, and how are they different and, and what, what makes this one? And so what's unique about that? I think you'd, you'd, you'd go down a, a wrong bunny trail. But rather, all of these are, are just all the same purpose, to, to call children to, to listen to their parents. Now, I've been struggling this week to figure out why is it that Solomon's so repetitive in this? Anyone have an idea why Solomon is so repetitive? It's important. <laughs> it's important. Yeah, Re- Repetition's important. Maybe it's important and, and it's needed. Because children are sinful, want to go after their own ways. Like adults and parents are sinful, want to go after their own ways. And children are slow to learn these things. And particularly parents, you think about your children, you need to again and again, over and over, right? Teach those things. So they become like the, the foundation things, right? The, the most important things that, that someday, whatever, 40 years from now, you can look back and think about your day. What are the things that he repeated over and over and over again? And the most important thing here is Proverbs is teaching us for children is this. Listen to your parents. Listen to your parents. Do you realize that God gave you, kids, your parents? Your your parents are sovereign. They're sovereignly given. They're not an accident that you have them. And and your parents, God has given them to you to guide you through the the, the various things of life. And they know you better than anyone else. They love you more than anyone else. And they have greater wisdom for you than anyone else. On the planet. So listen to your parents. It's really the best thing for you. In in chapter 3 and verse 1. Solomon promises a long life. My son do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments. For here it is. Length of days. And years of life. And peace they will add to you. The same promise made in chapter 4 and and verse 10. Hear my son accept my words. And the years of your life may be many. Many. Their words, kids, your parents' words, are for your benefit to help you live longer. To, to live a, a more blessed life. If there's only one thing, kids, I, I hope if you remember back, you know, whatever, three years from now, five years from now, I remember when Pastor Steve was going through Proverbs. There's only one thing that I remember, right? I need to listen to my parents. If you just remember that one thing from Proverbs, I would be very satisfied with that. There's verse 1, verse 2, he says this, For I give you good precepts. Do not forget my teaching. Your parents give you good commandments. They give you good precepts. And that's true even of even the worst of parents. Probably for the most part, give you good counsel. Now, the worst of parents will give a lot of bad counsel. Okay, But I think for most of you in this room, all of you in this room... God will give you good things. It's, it's, it's good precepts, good counsels. it says in verse 2. The things that they instruct you in are good. And so children, I simply ask you this. Are you listening to your parents? Or are you resisting them? Or are you ignoring them? Are you arguing with them? Are you complaining back to them? Uh, uh, right? W- when they come with a commandment to you and a help to you, are, are they like, is, is there a smooth road? Or do you make the road rocky? And I say, don't don't make the road rocky. It'll only be to your own troubles. Rather, Proverbs 19, verse 20, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. Because children, if you're not listening to your parents, it's probably an indication you're not listening to the Lord, quite frankly. Because this is your first instruction. It's part of the Ten Commandments, the the Fifth Commandment. Honor your father and mother, your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God gives you. And if you're not listening and honoring your parents, it's probably the first place you're going astray. And those astray from the Lord usually do so first by straying from their parents. So children, it's really simple, right? Listen to your parents. They give you good precepts and do not forsake their teaching. Now, in in verse 3, Solomon then reflects upon his own childhood How he listened to his father, and he's simply calling his kids to do the same. Look at verse 3. It says this. When I was a son with my father, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. There's that live aspect again as well, right? You keep my commandments and live. You follow after the Lord. You follow after your parents. Listen to what they say, and things will go well with you. Now, when Solomon here talks about parents, right, Solomon is talking about his own father. And his father's name was, help me, David, and uh, the man after God's own heart. And when Solomon here talks about his mother, he means Bathsheba, the former wife of Uriah. And if you know the story of this little family there, you'll remember that it's not such a totally happy family. Uh, in fact, it reads like a soap opera. Their relationship began with adultery. And then, in order to keep their relationship going, there needed to be a murder that took place as Bathsheba's husband Uriah was sent into battle and led at the front so he could be killed. And, and that sin that, that started and festered and rolling on affected them and affected all of the kingdom. It affected them in the, the, the fact their first child was not Solomon. Their first child was a son who died as a result of the curse of the Lord. Nathan the prophet said, You have utterly scorned the Lord. The child who is born to you shall die. First child, Solomon's brother died. And Solomon's greater family, he had a bunch of half-brothers and half-sisters because David, of course, had several wives. was filled with drama in his house. Several wives creates drama in the first place. But on top of that, these half-brothers and sisters had very very many difficulties. One of Solomon's half-brothers defiled his sister, his half-sister. And David didn't deal with the problem. Instead, he ignored it. It led to the murder of Solomon's half-brother. At one point, one of his half-brothers, Absalom, took the kingdom away from David, or, or tried to, but it cast David out of Jerusalem until he was killed in battle. And then as David was almost dying, when he was almost dying, he was almost dead, he was dying, Adonijah was trying to usurp the throne from Solomon. It was only when Bathsheba came and interceded that Adonijah didn't get the throne as well. But all this this desire for power and this, this wrestling, this back and forth, this conflict, this tension, this hatred, this murder, Solomon's life was not not perfect it was filled with hardship and, and yet Solomon didn't use that as an excuse not to listen to his father rather he listened to his father's advice and his his advice is really simple simple as this just said pursue wisdom that's a, a good summary I think of verses five through seven get wisdom again this is David talking to Solomon get wisdom get insight Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Now, of course, these words are are the words that we have taken with Proverbs to to outline the the whole message of Proverbs. This is the beginning of of wisdom, is to get wisdom. It it comes right here from chapter 4 and verse 5. To get wisdom, to, to get insight. I think that's a great picture there of, of shoveling and the, and the work that it takes to, to get the wisdom and, and pursue it. But that's what David told Solomon to do. To get wisdom. To get insight. Don't forsake her. Love her. And whatever you get. Whatever stuff you amass. Right? Get wisdom. In other words, Solomon is urging his son to listen to grandpa and pursue wisdom. Is what he's pursuing there. And, and I love how it's illustrated in, in Solomon's life. And this is worthy of us to, to look. So you can turn with me and you will back in your Bibles to 1 Kings. You know, If you Bible, it's page 279, 1 Kings. We're going to look at chapter 2. Uh, because that's right where the transition of the kingdom from David to Solomon is taking place. David is, is on his deathbed. And uh, as he is dying, he, he brings his son Solomon into his chamber, and uh, he commanded him. Look, look at chapter 2 and verse 1, First Kings chapter 2 and verse 1. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. I'm about to die. So be strong and show yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in His ways and keeping His statutes, His commandments, His rules, and His testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. In other words, right? Walk, follow the Lord, walk in His ways, and you will live. Like, Look even there at the end of verse 4, right? It says, if you pay close attention to the way and walk before me in faithfulness with all your heart, with all your soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Right? You, you just walk in my ways. You will live. You'll be blessed. Right, at the end of verse 3, right? You, you'll prosper in all that you do, wherever you turn, right? Follow the Lord and, and know His blessings. And David's saying, follow me and know my blessings, it's really the, the message of, of Proverbs that's been teaching us, right? Wisdom is your best life to pursue. Pursue after it hard. It, it will protect you. It will guard you. It will be your delight. And where do you think that Solomon learned these things to teach on to his children? He learned it from David. David taught him just right here in chapter 2. But, but I don't think that this is the only place that he taught him. I think he taught him many other times. But I, I just simply say this, mothers and fathers... Are you teaching your children about the ways of the Lord? Are you telling them to seek the Lord? Are you telling them of the benefits of seeking the Lord? How God's loving kindness is new every morning, and how his faithfulness comes every night. That he will never leave you nor forsake you, that all his ways are just. But on the flip side, right, the warnings come. He's able to humble those who walk in pride. And there are consequences for sin. And through David's failures, he sought to just press on to, to teach Solomon of the ways of the Lord. just really encourage you parents to be teaching your kids. I, I, just, I just know clearly as a pastor of a church, all we do for kids, whether it's youth group or whether it's children's church or anything we do, it's, it's all about the home. And, and what is said and done on Sunday mornings, I often like to say this, what's dead on, done on Sunday mornings can be destroyed with one word from dad's mouth on the way home. By just totally ignoring what, what's being said, by not following that way. And, and a bad example at home can thwart much good from church. So I just say, we want kids here. I mean, that's what Proverbs is about. Kids who grow up to be wise kids. It's upon your parents to press that and teach that, guide that. I, I, I don't want to toot my own horn here. I have many failures in many ways, but one of the things I appreciate, Sr said, just about, I said, Dad, one of the things I've learned from you, just consistently, is just, just you're the same all the time. You're the same at church. You're the same at home. You're the same when you're out in the world. You're the same, just, just steady faithfulness. And I say, church family, parents, just be the same. Be the steady person that's going to seek to press your kids to the Lord. That's so important. And here David, in his last days, just charging him, right? As, as verse 2 says, right? Third, verse 3, keep, ch- keep the charge of the Lord. Walk in His ways. Keep His statutes, His commandments, His rules, His testimony. Right, Just, just follow after the Lord. Follow His ways. But that, that's not only at the end of his life. That's not the only thing he said. I mean, I, I'm sure that much in his life he was teaching Solomon a lot. Um, surely there were other times. And, and I just encourage you all in your homes, right? To, to be praying together. Be reading the Scriptures together. Be talking about the Scriptures together. right, Be reading things together. Be singing together. Do that as much as you can. But we see that, that I don't think that was Solomon's only introduction into that. Turn over to chapter 3. We, we here we see Solomon, and this is kind of the key thing I want you to see, is how, how he caught David's counsel and advice. Look at verse 3. It says here that Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offering at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. And Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. It's a great summary of Solomon's life. He, he loved the Lord, but he had many failings in that love, and the first of which was misguided worship. He was worshiping at Gibeon rather than in Jerusalem. That was a, a wrong and an error um, doing that. He also, if you, if you look in chapter 3, verse 1, he made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he'd finished building his own house in the house of the Lord, the wall around Jerusalem. The people were sacrificing high places, however, because no house had been built for the name of the Lord. But you see the marriage alliance and starting to pursue other gods and pursuing bad things about that, and it really led him down a path. Right? The Women led him down a wrong path. 1 Kings 10, you can read about that. 1 Kings 11. And he failed. He loved the Lord, but he failed. And Ecclesiastes is great for that. I'm loving the fact the youth group is going through Ecclesiastes now. Proverbs on Sunday morning, Ecclesiastes on Wednesdays, just kind of wrestling with the the big issues of life They form a a good complement. But but anyway, we we read this. Verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said... You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people. You've chosen a great people. Too many to be numbered or counted for a multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this your great people? Do you see what Solomon is doing here? He is pursuing wisdom. That's what he's doing. See, God comes to him and asks him whatever he wants. First thing that pops on my mind, I need wisdom. Right away. And think about what he didn't say. He didn't say, God comes to him, what do you want? Ooh, can I think about that for a little bit? Or, um, can, I, can, I, can I take a lifeline? <laughs> can I call for some help? Or can I seek the counsel of others? Can I pray about it? No, it's almost his, his first reaction was that to ask for wisdom. I think it's because he learned from David. David, his father, told him, whatever you do, pursue wisdom. And so when the opportunity comes, he's like, I'm pursuing wisdom. That's what I want. You know, it, it sort of reminds me of that. I've, I've heard this many times about counsel given to preachers. who are told to preach for the, a burden on the heart. And uh, to take the 3 a.m. test. The 3 a.m. test is that it's a Saturday night, right? You, you, you go to bed Saturday night and you're, you're, you're deep in REM sleep and it's about 3 in the morning and then someone comes and wakes you up and says, Steve, you're preaching tomorrow. Oh, huh, uh, uh, what, 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 what are you preaching, Steve? What are you preaching, Steve? And I'm like, oh, listen to grandpa, right? Pursue wisdom, prize wisdom. That's why I'm preaching. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what? what? And then you kind of come through, but that's like, that's like, what's there? And here is Solomon in a, in a, in a dream. He knew his need. The Lord appeared to him at night, asked him what he wanted. Instantly, it was wisdom is what he wanted. It shows that his heart for wisdom was developed long beforehand. He knew that he lacked it. He knew that he needed it. And he knew when it came in that that's the first thing he needed to pursue. And so in that moment, this was his request in verse 9. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. And this request of his to God didn't come from nowhere. It came from David. Remember Proverbs 4, our text? David taught him long ago. My son, get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She will keep you. Love her. She will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Whatever you get, get insight. And what Solomon is calling his sons to do is everything that he did in 1 Kings 3. He pursued wisdom. He asked God for wisdom just right away because it was so much on his heart. Listen to grandpa. And here we see it in action. And the good news is this, is that, that God is willing to give to all who ask. It says in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all who ask generously without reproach and it will be given to him. And we see the Lord giving him wisdom here in Verse 10. And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. You realize if you pray for wisdom, God is pleased with that prayer. God, give me wisdom, James one five, right? Solomon, I'm pursuing wisdom. God, give me wisdom. God loves that prayer. You remember back in Proverbs chapter one when when wisdom was calling out in the streets and the opportunity was there and 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 the son just refused it, right? No, I don't. I, I don't. I don't want that. But God loves it when we accept it and when we want wisdom. So it pleased the Lord, verse 10 of 1 Kings 3, that, that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you've asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I will now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind. So that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments, your father David walked in, then I will lengthen your days. You see, and that's even how wisdom works. Like Solomon didn't seek riches, he he didn't seek, right, long life. God says he sought wisdom, but one of the benefits of wisdom is what? It's... It's riches. It is long life. You honor the Lord with your wealth, and he'll, he'll give you what you need. He'll satisfy all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He will give that to you. He will bless you with long life. And those are general promises that are true. But you, you pursue the, the wisdom, then, to get those things. Those things will come, and God gave it. And God told them that walking in wisdom was a, was a path to blessing. And Proverbs speaking this over and over again, right? You walk in wisdom. That's the path to blessing. In verse 15, we see this. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Here we see, I think, the first expression of his wisdom. In verse 4, we'd seen sacrifice offered at Gibeon, right? But here now, it came to Jerusalem to offer the sacrifice, just as the Lord had commanded. It was sort of half-hearted obedience, right? Because by the time Solomon took the throne, it was the, the tabernacle of the temple was built, right? They, or He was building that, and he brought it, and it was in Jerusalem. He, like, transferred the, the worship from Gibeon to Jerusalem. In 2 Samuel 6, we see the Ark of the Covenant came into the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, And there it was, right after receiving wisdom from the Lord, the first expression was an act of worship in what God had prescribed. And see, I just say this, wisdom will worship the Lord in what He requires. Now, of course, for us, living after the cross, wisdom means worshiping through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's only through Jesus that, that our worship is acceptable to God. I don't think that you can worship in whatever way suits you best. It only comes to the redemption at the cross of Christ that we can worship the Lord. right? When we, we see that there's nothing in our hands we bring simply to the cross we cling, as we sung this morning, you cannot come to Him on your own merits. And that's wisdom and that's that's wise to, to see we're, we're wise enough to realize we don't have the wisdom we need. We're wise enough to realize we don't have the righteousness we need. We need the righteousness of another. That's the first act of Of wisdom as well for us the second expression of wisdom is shown the discernment the great story between the two women who came to solomon it's it's so good i just don't want to pass it up this morning we are here i just want us to to read this first kings 3 16 then then the two two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him the one woman said oh my lord this woman and i live in the same house and i gave birth to a child while she was in the house Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning and nursed my child, behold, it was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had borne. But the other woman said, no, the living child is mine, the dead one is yours. And the first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living is mine. And thus they spoke before the king. And then the king said, the one says, this is my son that's alive and your son is dead. And the other says, no, but your son is dead and my son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king and the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. And then the woman whose son was alive said to the king because her heart yearned for her son, O oh, my Lord, give her the living child. By no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall neither be mine nor yours. Divide him up. And then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman for by no means put him to death. She is his mother. It's a great story, right? It's really a, a great expression of, of the wisdom that God had given to Solomon. That story is just an encouraging way of, of how he was able just to discern and see in a, a creative way that probably hadn't been done before and probably wouldn't be done afterwards, but just a, a unique way. And, and everyone saw how much wisdom he had. In fact, look at verse 28. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered. And they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. The wisdom of God was in him to do Right. To do just. That's what wisdom does, right? If you're wise in your behavior, right, people will notice. You'll be respected and honored. And that's that's exactly what the Proverbs says, right? Turn turn back to our text and and just look how how we're honored when we are are walking in righteousness. Proverbs four and verse eight and nine. It says prize her that's prize wisdom highly, and she then will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. And she will place on your head a graceful garland. And she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. My, my second point is this. Not only pursue wisdom, but prize wisdom. And that, that comes there right, right there from verse 8. Prize her highly. That is, value her. Put great value on wisdom. Not only just pursuing it, just endless pursuit. And there are some people who always are, are pursuing a knowledge of the truth, but they seemingly never get to it. That's 1 Timothy 4. All right. Socrates was a little bit like that, asking questions, always pursuing wisdom, but never getting it. But prizing wisdom is like, okay, I've got it, I'm keeping it, I am possessing it, I'm loving it, it is a prized possession. You just think about things that you prize. Maybe it's your electronics, or maybe it's your four by four, or maybe it's your vacation spot, or maybe it's whatever, it goes on and on. Prize wisdom like that, like... Like, grab her and don't let go. Hold her fast. As Job, I think, says, buy truth and sell it not. Don't sell the wisdom. Don't, don't let it go, but follow after her ways. And if you do, Solomon promises that she, wisdom, will exalt you. She'll honor you if you embrace her. She'll place on your head a graceful garland. She'll bestow on you a beautiful crown. And that's exactly what took place with Solomon, right? When the people of Israel heard of the wisdom of Solomon dealing with the the two prostitutes, they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was within him to do justice. They are in awe of him because of what God had done through them. It's a little bit like the early church after the issue with Ananias and Sapphira. Right? The the people stood in awe. They were fearful of the people because God was with them, or Jesus. So often in his miracles, right? They they feared him because they knew that God was with him. And so, likewise, we we can be like that if we're wise in what we do. We'll, we'll bring people to God, right? Because they'll, they'll be in awe of him. Right? It says in the Sermon on the Mount, right? do your good deeds before men that, that that God might see them and they might glorify God through them. So it might be clear that, that the wisdom that you have comes from the Lord. And when people see your wisdom, right, they, they, they fear the Lord, right, they, they honor Him, but they also honor you as well. Even for you children, right, you can know this as well. Proverbs 20, verse 11, even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and right. Even children, you can see that there's a wisdom in that child. First um, Timothy four twelve. Paul's Exhorting Timothy as a young pastor, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe right Walk in, in pure speech in good conduct, and be an example, even as a young person of what it means to walk in jesus there 'd be a crown on your head, a garland upon your neck. We saw that right away when when Solomon divided between these, these women and with his baby, but Solomon experienced this later in his life. In 1 Kings 10, the queen of Sheba, when she came with camel spices, gold, and precious stones to hear the wisdom of Solomon, Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing that he couldn't explain, and she saw all the wisdom of his kingdom. Listen to what she said. Look at the honor with which she gave Solomon. The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came. My own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpasses the reports I have heard. Happy are your men. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. And then here it is, going to the Lord. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you to set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he's made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. Solomon honored, God glorified. That's what wisdom does when you walk in righteousness. Righteous ways. That's really the the promise here. I think that's the picture of of placing in your head a graceful garland, bestowing on you a, a beautiful crown. We we've seen this right a, again and again about this this nice things. Right, chapter three, verse three. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the the tablet of of your heart. I just just right there in chapter one, verse nine. They are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. They're just a, an adornment that will come upon you if you genuinely seek wisdom and you find it and that's what we all might experience and so i just exhort you all this morning right to listen to grandpa pursue wisdom and prize wisdom well i want to go back to my dad just even thinking about that just how, how we began thinking about grandpa today my kid's grandfather Um, One of the things he taught me was that uh, he would never ask me to do anything that he had not done before or was not willing to do. And he's told me that many, many times. In in other words, right, he taught me to live by example, not merely by words. And he would normally tell me that, Steve, I'm never going to ask you to do anything that I've not done before or I'm not willing to do. And whether that's dirty, grungy work, uh, working on something or digging in the dirt or or cleaning the garage, or fixing some problem, or problem with the toilet. You just say, no, I won't ask you to do anything that I haven't done first or I'm not willing to do. And really, what he was basically was calling us to do is follow his example, right? Don't, don't do as I say, but do as I do, and, and let me lead you, and let me guide you. And I think one of the, the greatest ways in which he has led me and led, led our family is that in following the Lord, he has pursued wisdom. He has prized wisdom. I, I, I think of his testimony in that he was 50 years old when he was exposed to a Bible teaching church. Uh, until that time, he was simply just, just doing church just uh, along with the crowd, was never really exposed to any, anybody who was living biblical Christianity. Um, like, like many of us in the Brandon house, there, there was a willing heart, but we're walking in ignorance. Um didn't know what it meant to really love God's Word and follow God's Word. And when he was 50 years old, he began attending a Bible teaching church. His life was changed, and he really called his family then at that point to change. And I'm so thankful for his teaching, which has impacted his kids and his grandkids as it goes even beyond that. And um, I'm bringing today his tombstone. Okay, this is, uh, he's preparing for, this is maybe 15 years ago he bought this. It's been a while. He's been thinking about the day of his death for a long time. But this sits in DeKalb. And um, I've been there, I think, maybe once ever. But I imagine that when his body is laid right there, I will be there more, just kind of thinking and reflecting. Thankful for the father I have, for the the grandfather of, of my children. And I'm not sure you can read it there. That's my mom's side is over here, and my dad's side is over there. Can you can you read what that says? I got a close up, I'm not sure if that helps. What's it? Psalm thirty seven, verse four says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that will be a, a lesson that he will continue to preach long after he has died. When we go and we stand in that special place, we're going to see him. That's the verse. He thought, this is the verse that I want my posterity, other people to see. This is what drove me. Delighting yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you desires of your heart. Because he knows how true that is. He has delighted himself in the Lord. He has pursued wisdom. He has prized wisdom. He has got it, and he has seen that God has given him so much. He's overwhelmed at the goodness of God. God has given him everything his heart has desired. And really, when it, when it comes to the Lord, right, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. I thought a, a good way to transition is even to think about that. Think about my dad. Think about pursuing. And then maybe just adding two more points to my, my outline. All right, pursuing wisdom and prizing wisdom. This is what we really need to do with Jesus, right? We need to pursue Jesus. We need to prize Jesus. Pursue Him to understand, like the Apostle Paul says, that I may know Him. Desiring Jesus above all things. That, that I may never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and then prizing Jesus, where He, he becomes the, the prize, the, the, the thing, that the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul even uses prize language in, in Philippians chapter 3. I press on towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus really this is this is the gospel and and let's let's just turn as we transition to lord's supper to to matthew chapter 16 i thought of any passage this this passage here has those two things about pursuing jesus and prizing jesus this comes right after peter confesses you are the christ jesus says blessed are you because it's not flesh and blood it's not your own smartness but god gave this to you that jesus is indeed the christ And then, having communicated with his disciples that he was the Christ, he told them, verse 20, don't don't tell anyone that he was the Christ. But from that point on, he began to teach them what, what the cross of Christ is, what it means that he's the Christ. And from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples, verse 21, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen. But he turned aside, turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Right? When Jesus set forth what it meant to be the Christ, it meant I'm going to suffer. I'm going to, I'm going to go to this cross. I'm going to be beaten by the elders. I'm going to be mocked and i be spit upon. I'm going to, going to suffer. I'm going to be unjustly condemned. I'm going to die a painful and shameful death upon the cross. But after that, three days later, I'll, I'll be raised. I don't think they caught it all, right? He, he, Jesus even had to repeat it several different times in Matthew. I, I think it's the end of chapter 18 at the end of chapter 20 where he says the exact same things. He I mean, said, we've got to go to Jerusalem. We're going to suffer many things with the chief priests and the elders. And I'm going to be be crucified and killed. But I'm going to raise on the third day. And that's really our hope. That's what we celebrate at the the Lord's Supper. This, this morning is, is celebrating the cross. It's celebrating Jesus that He died in our place as our, our substitute is what, uh, what we celebrate in the Lord's Supper. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 16, 24 and following, He says to pursue Jesus. Jesus told His disciples, if anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake. Will find it. And there it is. You want to come after Christ. You, you need to forsake all. You need to, you need to put it all aside. Everything needs to go back. And above all. Jesus needs to be your all. You can't say. Oh. Let me go bury my father. No. Let the dead bury the dead. He wants you to, to follow after Him now, pursue Him now. That, that's, that's the only way. You've got to take up your cross. You've got to take up an instrument of death. You've got to deny yourself. That's why in the Lord's Supper, right, 1 Corinthians 11, Paul speaks about examining yourself to see whether that's indeed where we are. And if that's where you are, celebrate the Supper with us. But if you're not, even I was speaking with someone recently who said, well, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not going to give up my fun. You know, I believe in Jesus, but I don't want that cross thing. I'm just going to do my own fun. But I'm not going to follow Jesus. You either pursue Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, or you're not pursuing him at all. And that's a point of examination, really, for the Lord's Supper. And if you're if your life, you're not. or If you want to say, "Hey, I want to do that," God, give me strength. Well, that can be the Lord's Supper as well. He says, "God, I'm. I just know I'm not. I'm failing. To confess your sins in the Lord's Supper. Then for us, but there is pursuing Jesus." And then, prizing Jesus it really comes in one verse. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for a soul? There, there's the, the price of Jesus, the value of Jesus. Just encourage you to prize him above all things. You're the richest man in the world. I don't even know. Is it Jeff Bezos now, maybe? Amazon guy? I don't even know. It used to be Bill Gates. Who knows? Richest guy in the world. Billions of dollars, no hope of ever being able to spend it all. What benefit's that? You show me Jeff Bezos in just, whatever, uh, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, <laughs> I'll gladly take my riches over his riches any day of the week. And that's what it means to prize Jesus. Not, not to, to gain the whole world but for your soul. It's all about seeking Jesus for your soul. It's your whole life. And the Lord's Supper is, is for those who have pursued Jesus and are prizing Jesus. Or those who are lacking and just saying, God, I, 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 I see how I fail. And give me grace and strengthen me for that. So let's pray. We'll examine ourselves a bit in, in prayer. And, and then we'll take the elements. And... Father, I, I thank you here this morning for, for my Father. God who has taught me many things, and few things are of most importance. Even Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Reign supreme is the message, His dying message. He wants all of His children and grandchildren to know. And Father, I pray for all of us here this morning. Right? Maybe there are those who aren't pursuing Jesus, aren't prizing Jesus. That's, that's the only hope we have. God, as we think about celebrating the the Lord's Supper, as we think about eating the bread and drinking the cup as a a symbol of what Jesus died. His flesh was crushed. His blood was poured out for the forgiveness of of our sins. It's just an expression that we have of of unity together. God, of, of unity with You that we are made right and justified at the blood of Christ. Father, so I, I pray you'd be with us. I pray that you would um, convict us of sin, righteousness, and the judgment to come by your Spirit. Help us to see, oh God, our, our lack and our, our incredible need for you. God, we might celebrate this supper with joy, realizing that at the cross, all our sins are forgiven. They're all atoned for. They're all wiped away. God, what joy that, that ought to give us. God also crowns us as well, Lord. So I I pray in these things, O God, that You, by Your grace, would, would strengthen us, help us to look to the cross of Christ here as we celebrate His Supper. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.